So the, the topic for today's Rector's Conference is actually a topic that I spoke about a few years ago, but I think is worth repeating and deepening. I've changed it a little bit um, since then. And that is to talk about a virtue that is not listed even in the Summa, but is part of humility. And it would be the virtue of what can be called naturalness. Naturalness. It's part of human formation. At first, it might be difficult to describe, right? But using that famous phrase of Judge Potter Stewart of the Supreme Court, when you see it, you, you know it, right? You can really get a sense that's naturalness. I'm not talking about, you know, acts that help save the planet or recycling or cutting down on fossil fuels. It's not, it's a virtue. It's about men being a man among men who seems, if you will, natural, ordinary. And yet, because of that naturalness, is extraordinarily virtuous. You know, Pastor Dabovobis speaks of human formation as being a real key for all of the other dimensions. And it says that in order that his ministry may be humanly as credible and acceptable as possible, it's important that the priest should mold his human personality in such a way that it becomes a bridge and not an obstacle for others in their meeting with Jesus Christ. One very important way to be that bridge is how we live naturalness. Our Lord himself is a model. What strikes me as one of the most incredible aspects of the incarnation is the ease with which Jesus speaks and acts. Think of this. For 30 years, people didn't notice him. How was that possible? The Son of God becomes man. And yet they see him as just the son of the carpenter. His, His relatives are among us. Even when he performs miracles, at times he says, don't tell anyone. He fulfills the law, just like any other pious Jew. He speaks in an attractive way, down to earth. So much so that that anyone, rich and poor, young, old, Jewish and even Gentile, are attracted to him. He acted and spoke in ways to attract the whole spectrum of peoples. And what it seems to me marks divine action in this world is very much its naturalness. Why? Because God is humility. He is modesty. So what what does naturalness mean? It's a way of being and acting which at first might seem hidden, normal, yet attracts others with an ease that, 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 in, in some way, really, people come to Christ without even noticing the envelope. By that I mean, 
you know, you and I, uh, as seminarians and as future priests, and certainly as priests, we're like the envelope that delivers the letter. We're delivering the word to people. The word who is the Son of God. And what do you do with the envelope? Okay, fine. Don't even notice it. In some way, that's like naturalness. Naturalness. Naturalness lets your lives, as St. once said, as Christian men and as Christian women, your salt and your light flow spontaneously, without anything odd or silly. Always carry with you the spirit of simplicity. So while naturalness could be considered to be a part of humility, it also involves this simplicity of life and of being. An example might be just in your your daily life, you know, maybe a classmate struggling a little bit with with Greek. And you seem to, at least at this point, understand enough of the Greek. Um, (laughs) But but maybe you just, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a hand. Let's study together. And the classmate doesn't even, says, oh, great, doesn't even kind of notice this to be anything unusual. It's kind of very natural. It's a kind of act of charity, forgetfulness of self, and it's, it's a way of living charity toward one's neighbor. It could simply be welcoming someone to the lunch table, as some of you guys did for me this afternoon. Lending someone a pen. Laughing at someone's joke, especially if it's not funny. Right? <laughs> But doing it in such a way is, you know, real active charity that they don't really notice, you know? Because you're trying to be kind, right? Trying to be nice. It is a form of humility in the way that we relate to others. It has nothing to do and is the opposite of a kind of snootiness or superiority. We know, of course, the gospel scene in which the mother of James and John asks that her sons be put in a superior position, one at your right and one at your left when you come into your kingdom. Yet she gets a lesson, a lesson from the servant of servants. For the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. It's not about superiority. St. Paul makes this clear in his letter to the Philippians. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We don't want to make a great show of things as though it's all about me. We live in a culture marked by entitlement, And a person may be tempted to think that, oh, I'm owed this, or I'm the exception, or I need to be noticed. Naturalness is like a stone in the basement, essential to keep the building up. But who notices it? It's a way of being normal. And I must say that when I speak with some bishops, some of your bishops, and I, I've said to a few of them, what is it that you're looking for in a priest? Just don't send me anybody weird, Monsignor. <laughs> That's sometimes their answer. I just want somebody normal, please. That's actually their, their answer. All the more reason why this virtue of naturalness is important for us. 
For a priest, it means carrying himself and behaving in a a way that's consonant with who he is and his vocation and his dignity as, as a priest without lording that over others. It's not drawing attention to ourselves. It's trying to cut down on those oddities about maybe our personality, the way we say things and do things, and our quirks, and to be able to go unnoticed except in virtue. It doesn't mean, naturalness does not mean, that we're doing simply what other people do in the general culture or settling for the fad of the day. We might stand out simply by the fact that we're good Christians, let alone good seminarians and and holy priests, right? In a secular culture, and you know we're not living in Christendom anymore, uh, no offense to those that went to Christendom College, I'm not talking about that. We're not living in a culture that is supportive of of a Christian way of life. We're not. And so because of that, our way of life will be noticed just simply because we're acting as Christians. It will clash with our surroundings. That's true. But it's precisely in the natural way that we live our Christianity and, God willing, as priests, our priesthood, living that without complexity, without with, with great simplicity, it's exactly what the world needs now more than ever. A world that has gone in some way a little crazy. As a priest, we live faith and our vocation in an integral way without ostentation and showiness. If people ask, why is a priest acting that way? Why is he so weird? We need to then ask, well, Maybe I need to change a bit. It is a sign, naturalness is a sign, that we have an integrated virtuous life. Everything about a virtuous person is going to seem to be very attractive and normal, and he he or she does things with great ease. That's one of the elements of, of virtue, right? It's a stable act of behavior, right? And it's done as one lives the virtuous life more and more, right, and over time, it actually becomes easy, right? And there is, it's done out of ease, and therefore in a very natural way. It's being a good human being without effort. What it ought not to be is summarized, I think, in three words. Unusual, annoying, and strange. That's the opposite of natural. I'll tell you a little story of a classmate of mine in the seminary. Um, he loved tea, and he drank it every day. And everybody knew that he drank it every day. And everybody knew in Lent he gave up that tea every day. And how did we know? Well, he wasn't being very natural about his mortifications, right? So how can I be natural? I just want to point out a couple of areas in your life as seminarians and as priests, our life as Christians, really, that I think it's especially helpful to live naturalness. The first is in the area of piety. You know, when we live our our, our life of piety, uh, that is our expression of our interior life and spiritual life, liturgical piety, uh, prayerful piety, um, 
We want to be sure that our actions and our words are not unusual, annoying, or strange. We want to avoid those gestures that distort the church's common wisdom and norms. You know, if you come before the Blessed Sacrament and you make a genuflection, that's what you should do. If you remain on your knees for 30 seconds, that's a little strange, right? Just genuflect, that's all. <laughs> Priests sometimes do see this sometimes in their orons position, you know, for, for, for ma- prayer, right? And you see this kind of wacky-looking thing that... And people say, well, that's a little odd. Well, that's not living nationalists. But just everything, it's going to be a little bit different for each man, right? You know, there's, there's no, you know, exactly 12 inches. Um, so there's going to be a little, you know, it depends on how large the guy is, et cetera, et cetera, right? How, how his wingspan is, you know. But it ought to be something that people will not see you in a, in a certain sense, Right? They'll be able to see in some way through you in your gestures of piety and at liturgy. They will be able to say after Mass, I saw Christ. One of my younger sisters, when she was very little at Sunday Mass, once stood up on the pew and pointed to the priest and said to my mother, Is that Jesus? Some way people should have that about us. Right? A certain transparency so that we, we do things in our life of piety, in the way that we pray, in the way that we act, where others don't really notice anything unusual, annoying, or strange, but very natural. And this is where the, the norms of the church are very important. And I hope that all of you during your time here actually read through the general instructions of the Roman Missal. And I don't mean just for class, but really for your own good even like spiritual reading or meditating on certain sections of it. Every time I go on retreat, I take a copy of the germ. And I actually use that for prayer right during my time of retreat. Because there is the church giving us, really, how can we be transparent at the liturgy? And just simply following the, the general instruction, it's not, not being a slave to it, but yeah, this is a way in which the, 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 the celebrant ought to speak and act and move. People should expect that of us. And of course, it, it means avoiding you know, sometimes very, very fringe devotions or questionable apparitions, unapproved books, but really getting to, to know the mind and heart of the church in her life of piety and the recommendations that have been made over the centuries. This is naturalness in the area of piety. There's also, there also uh, the second area would be what I would call in the area of orthodoxy or good, right teaching. There's a naturalness there as well. You know, there's a natural, if you will, orthodoxy of the saving doctrine of Christ. But it means in teaching others, we don't end up being annoying, unusual, or strange, but being dynamic, attractive in our preaching and our teaching, evangelical, but normal. It's faithfulness to the church's teaching and our Lord's saving doctrine without a chip on our shoulder or a battle that we have to win. It avoids being overly judgmental when people struggle and have questions or oppose the church's teaching. It avoids being harsh 
What we need now, and this is a, a quote from, from Father Jacques Philippe, who a few months ago wrote a book that I would recommend called Priestly Fatherhood. Right? It's a very small book, and it's beautiful. And he says this, I'm convinced that the faithful of today have much more need of consolation and comfort than reproaches. Reproach is something necessary, but it should be given advisedly. Don't require of others more than God asks of you. And in gentleness and peace, experience shows that the greatest danger to souls is discouragement. Our mission is a mission of an encouragement. And I would venture to say that that's how you can be natural in your orthodoxy. We, are, we also are, are natural in just our conversation. That's another behavior that we do every day. We're in conversation with all sorts of people. So we want to avoid, on the one hand, being very catty and duplicitous, overly pessimistic, and avoiding the great disease of, unfortunately, priests today, cynicism. That's unworthy of, of a Christian, of a seminarian, of a priest. Avoiding attempting to sound as though I know it all. Because honestly, we don't. And so that looks ridiculous. Naturalness brings up topics of interest that others are interested to talk about, not simply me. It's able to be positive and optimistic and hope-filled. Naturalness means that in conversation we ask others questions not just talk about ourselves. It doesn't try to prove how much I know, but becomes a source of pleasant and encouraging words. Naturalness can also, in a way, again, unseen often or unnoticed, to change a conversation that maybe is heading toward gossip or being overly pessimistic or critical and is able to kind of change it to something more beautiful, more charitable in a way that doesn't isolate you or turn others off, but others can be helped to a more charitable conversation. That's naturalness. Now is is your time as a a seminarian and, and as a priest too. I think a third area where we can live naturalness and especially need to do so today is in our our lifestyle. Just the way that we live. For instance, in our clothing. You know? If there's something about the way we dress that's unusual, annoying, or strange, well, maybe we need to change that. To put it bluntly, clerical clothing of the 1950s belongs in the 1950s. All right? Clerical clothing that's from the 1950s belongs in the 1950s. There are different styles, of course, in how we dress, clerical or not for different occasions. But when a seminarian puts on clothes that mark him as a particular kind of seminarian, from a particular age, then you have to ask if he's doing it to be noticed, making a point, or simply doesn't know how to dress. And this includes the collar, the cassock, the alb, the hat, the coat, the shoes, all those things. I have to ask myself, and maybe others can help me, is this a little weird? Is this a little annoying? Is this a little strange? Certainly there are different styles, obviously. But if it's consistently, if you will, 
out of the ordinary, and a little strange, there's an opportunity to live naturalness better. Also in our lifestyle, we have to be particularly careful these days in in the kinds of things we own and how we use them. Why? Well, because we live in a very materialistic age. And priests today, more than ever, must be, and this is my, my emphasis, must be a sign of simplicity of life so that people can come to see the kingdom of God, which is not of this world. So when we live in an, in an era in which so much emphasis is put on this world and materials of this world, we have to make a particular effort to live that simplicity of life, that detachment and poverty as an evangelical counsel in the way that, that, that we have as diocesan priests, you're as seminarians, and as diocesan priests, which is different than the religious, different than a married person, etc. But we must make an effort to live this simplicity of life. So, tastes are going to be very different about where to go for a restaurant, what kind of a car to drive, what we, how we want to decorate our room. But if possessions become so different and so unusual, and I would even use this as a criteria, if the father of a large family would find the things we own, our kind of lifestyle, our, our, where we spend our money, if the father of a large family would say, oh boy, that's a completely different lifestyle than I have, that's when we need to live better simplicity of life. It won't be the same as him. He's a married man. He has children. But you are too have a spouse, the church, and you too have plenty of children. So that's a good criteria to think, well, with a large, large, father of a large family find this too much? He may not have the same interests that I have, decorate the same way, have the same kind of car, but would he find this to be too much, a little unusual, strange? That, of course, includes not only our personal dress, I mean, I'm sorry, not only our, our, our our, our dress, which I just talked about, but includes things like cars, technology, books, furniture. Our possessions ought to be useful in our, for our ministry. It should not be a near occasion of sin for us. Today, a priest should make sure he tones down the number and kind of his possessions in order to proclaim a gospel of simplicity in a world of materialism. That's the way in which a priest can live it very naturally. Very naturally. And people will be pleasantly surprised and not shocked. They will, in some way, enjoy the fact that, yeah, Father lives a fairly detached lifestyle. It's beautiful because they will see the kingdom of God. And then, finally, um, just in general, naturalness can be lived in, in our actions. All right? And just the way that we kind of act and react with, with others. If, if I end up being flamboyant and erratic and joyless, others will notice, all right? The way in which I can live charity toward others is being cheerful, is being consistent and simple in my, in my actions. Naturalness is something very beautiful and joyful. It's like a harmonious song that at the end you think, wow, That was beautiful. It's like the background music that enhances the atmosphere. Even though not everyone is going to say right away, look at that. 
They won't say that, but in the end, they will have noticed. And so, my dear sons, I think if we turn to anyone to help us, it would be anyone to help us live this naturalness as Christ lived it, it would be Our Lady. If you think of all the great privileges that she had, um, second only to God himself, and, and, and certainly grace, right? God is grace, and she was full of grace. She had all of these, if you will, uh, privileges and outstanding qualities, supernatural qualities. Yet who noticed her? With what ease she goes to Elizabeth, her cousin, to help her, without even being told by the angel. She's known by her neighbors, but just to be, oh yeah, the wife of that carpenter Joseph and the mother of that young carpenter, Jesus. Mary, the most holy mother of God, passes unnoticed, just one more among the women of her town, and yet she was the greatest saint of all. In living this naturalness, if you will, Marian naturalness, we will attract others to Christ.